Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome back to season four of Why This Film. We have reached our fourth season and we are kicking it off getting a little bit spooky with our first episode as we discuss 2004's The Phantom of the Opera. So we are recording this in a Cafe Nero. Um, So there's a lot of sort of background noise, uh, which I'm sorry if that's quite distracting. So apologies for the sound, but hopefully you'll still enjoy the discussion that we have. So the IMDb breakdown is... A young soprano becomes the obsession of a disfigured and murderous musical genius who lives beneath the Paris Opera House. Enjoy! You've watched it so many times before and now you're gonna watch it again. But it's been so many years since you last saw it and now you show it to your friends and they're like, What? What am I watching? Why? What? Why? Why this film? Hello, so I'm joined today by Eilish. Hello. Hello. Lovely to have you. Um, and your chosen movie is, of course, The Phantom of the Opera yes. 2004. Very good film. Um, it is. So what's your relationship with this movie? Um, well, I first saw it with my auntie and my mum. Um, I was around my auntie's house. She lives in Leicester. And we were just talking about films that had recently come out and she got it on DVD and she asked if we wanted to watch it because she knew that I was into theatre. And I said, yeah, and I have like this vivid memory of her going, but it is scary, so don't get worried. Don't panic. And I'm yeah. like, it's fine. I'm eight years old. <laughs> yeah, I know what's up. I'm fine. Um, and that's how I first got into it. And subsequently, it's what caused my love for musical theatre. Oh, amazing. Um, I ended up using it in my interview for my uni degree. Oh, cool. Whereas everyone else was talking about like sophisticated theatre stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I like theatre because I'm phantom. <laughs> you are not the only one, believe me. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's like, it really was a turning point in my life. Yeah, that's amazing. It. So I... We had the two albums of Les Mis and The Phantom of the Opera in the house. And we would always get, I would always listen to the album, but we would always get to that bit where it's like, a toad, madam, perhaps it is you who is the toad. Yeah. And she started making that weird vo- noise yeah. in her voice. Freaked me the fuck out, and I would turn it <laughs> off every single time. Then the movie came out, uh-huh. and every single Sunday for about a year, I watched Amazing. this movie, and I was like, this movie is life. Then I went to see the show, yeah. and I was suddenly like, this movie sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it sucks so bad. It's so bad, but it's still so good. And I was watching it earlier, and I was just like, oh, I love it, though. Like, it's so bad, but you just, because the music's still there, and the music yeah. is timeless. Like, it's still running in yeah. both Broadway and UK yeah. for a reason. And there's, there's certain things in it that aren't really in the show, like the flashbacks, yeah. or the yeah. flash forward, sorry. And some stuff I would argue is, like, uh, it takes away the mystery. Like, I used yeah. to, as a kid, I loved seeing him put the like whatever in her drink yeah. so we know that's why she starts making those noises yeah. but then as I grew up I was like it's better to not know it's yeah. scarier yeah. and like it keeps the mystery yeah. there's like certain things as well that I do like seeing versus the theatre version like the way 
he plays the funk drum is completely different, I think, to how he's played on the show. Like, he's so much more that intimate and less like, he's angry with the world but not in like a shouty sort of way. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I have a real problem with Jared Butler singing. Oh yeah. I think it's awful. Oh yeah, agreed. Um, but I think you're right and uh, I think partly that might, his interpretation might have been due to the fact that Emmy Rossum was like 18. She was 16. Fucking 16. It's kidding. so disgusting. Gross. What the fuck? And Raul was 30, the guy yeah. that played him. And Gerald Butler was 34. It was it's like, so disgusting. It's so gross. It's just like making out with both of them. And it's probably why there's less sort of sexual undertone. Yeah, I saw that as well. Which is good, but like... Yeah, at the same time, it's like... <gasps> there's certain scenes that are meant to be like, oh, this is so intimate. <laughs> I don't want to be watching. Yeah, it's creepy. So it's interesting how this movie was, as I'm sure you know... Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber picked Joel Schumacher of Batman and Robin fame to direct this and the two of them were like not allowing anyone else in on the project and as such you get really strange filmic choices you get really odd like it's not like a movie musical even though they've just come back in by that point with Chicago and Moulin Rouge and they're clearly trying to steal from different things but it's not working with the format that they have very complicated musical I think it is so I think you need to like I think maybe if they'd done it now it would work a bit more well I we've now got the live at the Royal Albert Hall yeah. sort of 25th anniversary on DVD literally I love it it's perfection so it's yeah. kind of like we don't need a movie no, because no. we've got we've got a like, live recording exactly and that's the better version yeah. because like some like they don't they choose to like not sing some of the lines in this movie. Yeah, and it's weird. And it's fine because I know what you're doing. You're trying to not make it like an opera, like yeah. Les Mis is. You're trying to make it, and like this is really. You're yeah. trying to make it more relatable. But the lines rhyme. Still. Yeah, and at the same time, there's an effect that's added by the words being sung. Yes. Which, like, I was watching it and I was like, I don't feel the same. Like, there's something now missing from that word not being sung. Like, there's now less emotion behind it. And don't get me wrong, like, I've got a degree in acting. Like, I know what should be done. Yeah. And it's like, I- I'm not feeling that. Like, yeah. And if I was acting along beside them... It's... I feel... Because I wrote this down as well. I feel like it's... They lose the energy yeah. from a live performance. Yeah. And I guess you can argue that that's what Tom Hooper was trying to capture in his 2010 Les Mis. Yeah. That's a whole different but, podcast. Uh, yeah. But um, that's the thing. Like, it really... Some of my favourite moments in the musical are the notes scenes, which yeah. are often in the manager's office. And in here, they decided to have them in random corridors, yeah. massive yeah. shots, no close-up, really strange choices to convey this narrative that's not being done very well. Um, but there's a bit where in the 25th line version they're like let me see it and that's everyone singing and then one of them goes please and it's like so dramatic and everything comes to a head and you're just like what's happening what is this letter going to say and in the movie like the four people there's like a pause and then they all go let me see it and then there's another pause and he goes Please. And it just like it's just so it completely takes away from it. Yeah, it's, it's like that throughout the whole film. And like, there's the, they changed what annoyed me was they changed the chandelier scene around. I I get why they did it, right? Like, it it still works where they put it. 
but not as well as the show. Yeah. Like, I... And when the, re- the reveal of the chandelier as well, that to me is so boring in the film. Oh my god. It's meant to be this massive grand thing. It and gave I, me fucking chills when I saw it on yeah. stage. And I know there's no way they're going to be able to reproduce that in a film. But why have it? Yeah. This is the thing, it's like these filmic choices, um, and someone else makes this point as well, like they have this whole prologue, and the whole point of the prologue, it doesn't even make sense in the show. No. Do you know what I mean? But the point of it is to be like, we've got this set piece of the chandelier, we're going to plant it so we can pay it off at the end of that one. Mm-hmm. And it's enormous, and it's what it's known for. Like, yeah. everyone goes to see Phantom Torch the chandelier drop. Yeah. And you're right, they don't do it at the right point, because it's a film, so there's no interval. Um, and then they, but they still build it up to then not use it properly. And so much stuff's happening when they finally do use it. It's kind of taken anymore. away from it. Like, yeah. I'm thinking, oh my god, I hope these people are going to get out of the Like, there's <laughs> yeah. a fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. That's someone's been kidnapped, shit's going down, someone's yeah. dead. Like, there's enough going on without having the chandelier yeah. drop. And because it's a movie, the chandelier dropping is not as exciting no. as it is live. No, and it just kind of, even if it, the actual chandelier itself is kind of like boring to look at as well. Yeah. It's not like, it's literally this massive, beautiful, grand thing. And it's just kind of like, okay. It's just it's just there. another fucking prop. Literally. And like, on a movie set. Literally. And the whole, again, I loved it because I'd never seen it before um, before I saw the show yeah. in the movie I loved this prologue because the wind was blowing yeah. and the swell came so in effective. and it was like wow and then I so basically in the movie what they do is it's black and white and it, it, it wizard evolves itself and it goes yeah. into colour and we sort of um, remove all the dust from the theatre and bring it, it, it back gets clean time. again yeah basically they clean it up in like a snow white scene with no people um but in the show, it like it just has because they're bringing in the set pieces and they're bringing in costumes and yeah. they're opening curtains and it's so grand and yeah. theatrical and it just doesn't translate well to the movie. And if they just got people on board this project that knew what they were fucking doing, who saw Batman and Robin and was like, yes, that's that person's the man. gonna make Phantom of the Opera yeah, and it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> what the hell? Like you can clearly tell as well with like the extra fighting scenes that were added like um, at the cemetery oh, why is there all of a sudden a sword fight a sword fight to show that he's fully human when we're meant to think he's this like weird ghost yeah. thing like, and also Raoul wins Raoul wins the sword fight he's about to kill the phantom and Christine is like no don't do it. no don't do it not and like this oh my god and then the next scene Raoul's like I figured out how to catch him and it's like yeah fucking punch him in the face clearly like that's what you did five minutes like, ago you could have just stabbed him and Literally. it would have been over and with and it would have been over with your fiance would have been like safe yeah. people would have and dead spoiler alert <laughs> the whole of New York never dies when it happens oh mate but going back to that grave thing so even though Emmy Rossum is 16 and the two men are 30 she's the one that dies first because the Raoul is at the old opera house collecting antiques to put on her fucking gravestone as well the brand deal in it soft scale (laughs) it's just randomly there Um, the Phantom's clearly been to Sprosky because on her grave, bum bum bum, is a red rose with a black ribbon and like a Sprosky diamond on oh, it as well. He's getting so that coin. Like, oh, 
he still like fancies her even though she's dead? If she died in America, why is she buried in France? <laughs> Why is the phantom still following her? Why? How did she die before these two men? Like, what the fuck? Oh it's, my it's god! Why is Madame Jury aged like ten years whilst Raoul is aged like thirty? I mean, I assumed that was Meg. Yeah, no, it's Madame Jury. What? It's Miranda Richardson. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking Madame Jury. I thought it was Meg. Uh, why, why is she only age back to it? They're doing a jumble door then. From Fantastic so, Beasts. Yeah, literally. It's so, he's going from 20 to 100 in 10 years. Honestly, the whole movie, the choices that are made. But, and, and yet, as we've both said, it's undeniably still watchable. Yeah, they're very watchable. And until you see them, the show, it's really good because you're being introduced yeah. to these characters and this music that's really swelling and gothic and romantic in a way. Um, oh. One thing I don't like is that you kind of figure out who is Christine very quickly yeah. whereas in the show you're like oh my god who is Christine like there's so yeah. many people that look the same yeah, yeah, which yeah. I assume is done on purpose but you don't know if, unless you know because she's it just is, a like, girl. yeah unless you know you're going to watch like, Sierra Baguette yeah, and you're watching it and you see it and you're like oh okay yeah, there she is yeah. like you're not going to know it's stupid things so like the movie, the movie and musical open with them rehearsing for this show about Hannibal going over the mountains with the elephants. And it's set in like Rome and like all of the sort of props of Roman. And uh, Carlotta, played here by Minnie Driver, fabulously, I would say, um, uh, throws a diva tantrum and leaves. And Madame Giri is like, Christine Dyer can sing it, sir. So not only does Emmy Rossum come up with her frail little bird voice, and everyone's like, wow, give her the lead role which is dumb as hell and makes me laugh every time. Yeah. In the show, she's kitted out in this sort of Hannibal and it's outfit. Beautiful. It's fucking beautiful. And they just stick her in a white dress. And in this one, even though they're doing Hannibal, the musical, and we've been rehearsing that all day, that evening she's in a Cinderella dress with a horse and carriage behind her. And I'm like, so when did you change the opera? And apparently that dress is based off a painting that Andrew Ledweber has in his house. Oh, for fuck's sake, Andrew. So that's not how that's stuff just works. What he <laughs> you can't just do that, Andrew. No. And like the transition, the way they do it in the musical is they have like a mirror image of the audience on the back wall. So Christine has her change, and you see it done while she's singing. And then her glorious moment is when she turns around and faces the audience. Yeah. And like we're watching from behind us, we're facing the audience. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. And yeah. Like I've never seen anything else done like that before. It's clever. And it the just, show is it, it like as I say, it's been running for such a long time because it it really pulled together all this stage magic and all this design and it was like a work in progress and they plagiarized a bunch of stuff but they got it out first and but it works, it works and even though it's flawed, it works. Yeah. This movie is just flawed. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the same scene in the movie. They just, she just stands there like there's this whole yeah. intricate dance that she's meant to do with the scarf, and it's stunning. And I get it's like a very kind of intricate, kind of sexual dance yeah. with the scarf. And I get maybe they took it out because of how old Emily Emmy was, 
but it's still Maybe, like... But it, it still just doesn't make sense that the opera has suddenly been changed to something completely yeah. different. The aesthetic has changed, and the, the choice that they've made for this big moment where she becomes the lead is to just like turn the camera around once, and she's in a different dress. Yeah. And no one's even saying, like... Oh my god, yeah, brilliant, put her as the lead. She just starts singing and then she's singing yeah. that evening. Yeah. And like no one's been like, yes, this is a good idea. Not. It just sort of happens. They just do it. It's just flat and lacking. It's, so much it's energy. so dull. And do you know what annoyed me as well? Like, obviously, aside the whole what Meg does later on in life, oh, they take away her like hype best friend by Yeah. Come on, Meg's her hype woman. Don't take that away. Literally, Meg is so boring and flat. And, yeah. like, and I feel sorry for her because she's a good character. Yeah. In, in the theatre but she's just kind of like boring and there and she only gets like really one scene and also like she's the first one in the musical to get given the line the, the big line and it's huge and it's it's spoken not sung in the movie no. and it's just to Christine and it's Meg going it's here and you're like, wow, I'm hyped. I'm super hyped for this bloke. <laughs> it's meant to be scary. It's yeah. meant to be terrifying. Yeah. And instead you're like, oh. There is no mystery because they show you everything that the Phantom's doing at every point. So um, before the chandelier comes down, before the end of Act 1, a person dies. And in the show, it is masterful. They put on this ballet and the music's getting faster and faster and it, it sounds edgy and dangerous and you, you see know, like a, you see like a slight shadow of things and you're, and you're like, like but if you catch the shadow you're like oh what's going on but nine times out of ten you're going to miss the shadow yeah, you because you're concentrating on what's happening exactly but you can hear the music's making you more tense yeah. and then a man gets dropped and he's hanged from the rafters and everyone's screaming and yeah. it's dramatic uh, in the movie we watch the Phantom like Tom and Jerry this oh, man it's along the rafters like they're literally awful. like mimicking like it's literally like a fucking mm. cartoon sketch it's it's so bad and then I feel like everyone's reactions were like a little like come on am I just like dying yeah. from the thing? Yeah. like the audience are kind of just sitting there like oh my god it's so dumb and then and then they run up to the roof uh, to have their big love song and the bit before that love song is, is again one of my favourite parts of the musical the whole like that love song is brought me here yeah. and it's so dramatic and what they've chosen to do in the movie is, ha- is have them just they clearly built this set of the opera house and they were like this is our priority this is what we need to like show everyone because they're just walking through corridors and up staircases singing this song and we don't get to see their faces we don't really see them interacting we don't see the emotion we don't see anything they're just about to propose and like she's terrified yeah he's meant to like relax her and calm her down and they're just all we're seeing is like oh look some masks that are used in the show and a curtain and some ropes yeah we're just seeing the set literally and then did you know the phantom Gerald Butler wasn't even in that scene there. He was CGI'd into that scene. Fuck off. He wasn't even there oh when God. they filmed it. They just put him in there. It's like, that's so stupid. Why? Why? And he's just kind of like, also, how did he get there first? Yeah, yeah, literally. He's like creeping behind the back of a statue listening. And I figured there's only one way up to the roof. Yeah. yeah. And you see Christine and Raoul he, like, going there. The, bolted there. <laughs> the minute he'd like hung the guy, he was like, go to the roof, go to This is where they're going to go. <laughs> like, how did he know they were going to go to the roof? And it's, again, it's a real contrast from the show where there's like a wonderful reveal where people actually gasp if they're not expecting it, where this massive sweeping love 
love song happens and it's all focused on Roland and Christine. it's stunning and then he appears from like above them and everyone's like oh my god he was there the whole time what the fuck yeah. we literally see him they keep cutting to him during the love song that song is so important what are you in, doing? in their relationship yeah. and like moving the story forward because you like before it's kind of like oh okay these two are like child and sweethearts and it's like okay well now they're actually engaged yeah. you see how much they love each other you're taking it away there. you're taking that you're away literally and you're giving it to nothing you're just yeah. you're not making the phantom mysterious and threatening no. you're not are you trying to elicit sympathy by having him like look mopey behind a statue that he's not even that well hidden no. behind like, I'm sorry he, he just looks like I feel like his expressions weren't great in this film because when he's just there he's, he just kind of looks like vaguely mopey like whereas in the musical he's like angry he's, he's so like the only way I can put he's like lightning he's so angry yeah and every every phantom has a different like um way they play it but it's always high stakes and yeah. high emotions it's always heartbreaking yeah it's always, always heartbreaking where in this one i was like just stop being a creep yeah yeah literally fuck off she's like 12 literally oh, do you know what i also read as well ramin karimle is the only person who ever played her three love interests he was her dad in the film oh hilarious i know i'm like my and he so lives near weird. me somewhere so oh nice so that's amazing i know oh man yeah, it, um, it's so just... the Phantom is called such because uh, of the deformity of his face. In the book, he's written to look skull-like with no yeah. nose and gaunt and yeah. frightening. In the musical, they spend like three hours in makeup getting this like real half of his face like completely scarred up. Jared Butler looks like he's been maybe stung by a bee. Yeah. Like, maybe he, like, scratched himself, got a bit of an infection. Yeah. There's fucking nothing wrong with his face when that reveal happens. No, and, like, if you watch it in the the musical, you're genuinely like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, his brain is showing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, half of his brain, like, you see his skull, whereas in the film, you're like... Did someone throw some hot water in your face? Yeah, yeah. You just want to go sleep that off, take some ibuprofen. Like, put some foundation on your face <laughs> yeah. you're fine. Honestly, it's pathetic. And, like, but the thing is, they don't exactly play... Love Never Dies hadn't been written yet, so they had no motivation to make him more sympathetic. There's no way that they elicit sympathy from him in a massive way. So why try and make him attractive when it comes to the end, once you've established that he's murdered yeah. several people? Like, what, his, why? His hair is awful as well. Like he's, he's meant to be like, have hardly any hair. Yeah. And he, he just kind of looks like he's just wearing a bad wig. He's just bleached. Yeah, and just Literally. a full head of bleached he's hair. Like, bit he greasy. bleached his hair, it went wrong, some of it fell out. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, Literally. it's so bad. It's pathetic. Like, the one thing I do think they did well is the whole casing with the water. Because when yeah. you compare that to the book, the book is so like, for anyone who hasn't read the book, he has this whole like torture chamber. And if I'm not mistaken, he can make it like really hot. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got like mirror mazes. Yeah, it's like a complete torture chamber. And um, that, obviously they can't do that in the musical. There's just no way it would be possible. Yeah. But in the film, they managed to put that through because, like, they start flooding it, rolling in rounds. It's like, the, with it, like, it's really interesting to see them attempt that 
bit from the book and yeah. it's really fun to watch. But again, within the movie, he gets out of it in like two really seconds easily. flat. There's so no like, like what was the point? No, there's no like. We all know he needs to go rest. save Christine. Yeah. So why would he drown here? Yeah. Like, my yeah, God. That's the only thing. It's it's a nice attempt, but it didn't work. Still, but it was like, you know, you're never gonna see that in the show. Yeah. So it's nice to just see like a little yeah. nudge to the book. Definitely, and this is I think what they needed more of. They needed to make it a separate entity from the show rather than just try and film the show because they they did that at the Royal Albert Hall yeah. and it was perfect. Yeah. And like, if you're gonna make changes where they changed some scenes around and they've added like flash forwards in black and white it's going to be it can't be like 50% different from the show yeah it needs to be its whole other thing yeah definitely. because it's not going to work and it didn't yeah. there's no point having scenes where you're seeing like oh Christine's dead and he's taking roses to her grave and whatever and like changing some scenes around and who says what but still trying but still just trying to do a carbon copy of yeah, the like, show you do one or the other yeah literally and I think it could have really worked if they had given it to someone that was going to make drastic changes draw perhaps more from the book yeah. like because um, in the book the phantom is terrifying yeah. he's like like Christine but she has no emotion towards him she clearly like in the film and the show you feel like okay there's maybe like something maybe it's sympathy who knows what but there's some sort of like more of a connection there. yeah Versus in the book, he's just like a terrifying yeah, monster. In the book, he's like a stalker, and she's just like caught in his spell. In the yeah. movie, they do really try and push that sort of spell mm-hmm. thing. She always seemed a bit hypnotized when he was around, and it yeah. was it was kind of nice because it wasn't overtly sexual because everyone was like yeah. eleven. Um, <laughs> but then in the show, it, again, it depends on your Christines and your fantasies. Oh, yeah. And I would say the only bad thing about the live 25th anniversary showing is that Love Never Dies was doing its sort of tour at the time. Yeah. So they really push the, like, love story yeah. between the Phantom yeah. and Christine and to the point where she doesn't want to leave at the end and Ramin Karimlu gives her, like, a nod to give to, for her yeah. consent to te- send her off to yeah. well, which and, is dumb and stupid yeah. and I hate it. And I think they pushed it a bit more as well because, obviously, Sierra and Ramin were the two that were in Love Never Dies. Yes, yeah, so definitely. So there was that con- like that narrative where the two people, people that played this the same characters yeah. were going to carry on and continue to play them yeah. and that relationship needed to be proven almost yeah and it's fine it doesn't detract from how no. good the performance is but it's just a shame that that's what they were really yeah. pushing for at the time yeah. um, whereas so- like when I saw it on stage most recently uh, my Christine was like fuming at the yeah. Phantom and she was like absolutely in love with Raoul and it was yeah. such a joy to see a different yeah. interpretation of the same song yeah. and that's what's so great about live theatre where these different actors come in and give their yeah. own takes on them and um, what's always very nice as well is to see how the different Phantoms choose to portray the kiss at the yeah. end like do they get super involved with it do they find it terrifying because yeah. it? it's a turning point it is and like it's, he, he says a line where like he says about how his deformity his t- Taken away, his like he can't ever have like that human pleasure interaction kind of mm. thing. And a lot of people take it as like he can't have sex, which is not. He's just yeah. he's, he's so deformed that people don't tend to love him. Yeah, which is sad. Yeah, and that's probably one of the reasons why he's like the way he is. And then he gets kicked, and I went and saw it back in April again, and he was terrified. Like, yeah, because it's the first proper interaction he's ever had that's 
affection. The sort of line that he does is, the world shows no compassion yeah. to me. And this is Christine showing compassion to him. For the first time he's ever had it. In the movie, Raoul beat him in a sword fight, was going to kill him, and then, I don't know, let's call it, showed compassion and didn't kill him. Mm. So mm-hmm. like, and for also, him, half an hour later to turn around and say the world showed no compassion to me. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They just I mean, did. Madame Giry freed <laughs> you as a child <laughs> and like looked after you and like fed you because clearly you're exactly. still alive. This is the other thing, like the um, and and what probably used all of his funds and salary from the opera house that he was charging the managers to buy all of his shit down for his lair, yeah. like. Um, and this is the thing, the choices and changes that they did make then meant that the the story that they were originally telling doesn't, doesn't make, make sense, sense anymore. It so no one sense. thought about it. No. no one thought about the implications of what they were doing and how everything just goes against everything else. It's so dark. He, he's like, there's no way that he's going to be receiving compassion from... Maybe Raul, like, he just does it because his fiance tells him not to mm. but it's still compassion because yeah, he you're easily. either going to die or you're not going to die Yeah, and he'd been freed that's a lot of compassion like yeah. he'd been freed from being essentially like a monkey in a zoo yeah and, and then he's just like scar <laughs> look at the freak <laughs> literally he's in a cage with a bag over his head <laughs> no one actually sees the freak because the bag on his head oh my god it's so dumb and you're right like yeah Madame Giry that they've given this whole backstory where Madame Giry is the reason he's taken base in the opera house and uh, has set up this life for himself and she's very understanding and complimentary of him yeah um, but then it's oh, like man. and then what like what happened between what you've shown us yeah and now like how did, did he get so angry with the world exactly because he was rescued and given a base and flourished looked and looked after even though this because she's like 12 when she rescues yeah. him and then we assume she goes on to grow up marry have a child work at the opera house yeah like would she just be like sorry husband it's my Sunday night gotta go feed my phantom in the lair literally and he's clearly educated as well yeah so did she teach him how to like read because <laughs> I doubt the freak show did it like it just it was a lovely addition and again as a yeah. kid when I was watching it I was like awesome I love it That's okay. and then later on when I grew up I was like oh no I hate it yeah like <laughs> Either give us like a full backstory of how he got where he is, which is can be found in lots of different yeah. novel adaptations of the source material. Yeah, or don't don't yeah. give us any like yeah. leave it a and, mystery. and leave it a mystery exactly. And surely it's more exciting for it to oh, be a mystery easily. for him to go down. And he's the original like 1930s version has him as one of the biggest horror monsters. He's up there with Frankenstein's monster yeah. and Dracula. Yeah. And yet this Gerard Butler version is a nothing. He's downplayed to be like the guy that you want to be with but can never have kind of thing. It, like, yeah, it's almost like they're, we're pushing that sort of mid-2000s emo aesthetic from the red rose and the black ribbon yeah. and that whole sort of like gothic romance vibe that was coming yeah. back in for a bit. But, you know... Well, I was fully people. on board with yeah, like from the ages of like 12 to 15. Yeah. I loved me some League of Extraordinary oh, Gentlemen yeah. and I wanted to dress like Mina Harker, that yeah. Victorian gothic steampunk. They were tying into all of that. But it's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. Like, even in the musical, there's not really like that much. The only grand kind of things are the candles and what the candles sit on. Whereas like, 
Which in itself is a whole funny thing. And I'm like, you're watching them come out of the water in the movie, and I'm like, how are the candles alive? Right, literally, the candles in the movie don't make any sense. Are they electric? In the um, show, they come out of the thing because it's a set change, and we're now in a different place. A very well done set change. It's magical, and it looks grand and dramatic. In the movie, they've got the Jean Cocteau candles with the arms in the wall from the original Beauty and the Beast homage. That later on, when Meg goes down the same passage, they're not there. Yeah. So, what were they? Someone's imagination? Were they yeah. actually there? Whose arms were they? If they were actually there, like, what's going on? He's not magic. <laughs> we see him not do any magic, so we know that he yeah. literally happened, or it was in someone's imagination. And then you're right. And then we get into the lair, having taken a pony and a boat. Somehow. Where is this lair? Like the neighbouring county? Like, the lair is me? meant to be like in the actual opera house it's in France. It's the bottom, the it's, basement. It's like a lake underneath the basement. Yeah. Which is where the lair is meant to take place. <laughs> so they're halfway Why? in a lake, rowing the little boat, and then candles appear out the water. And you're right, like... What? It's, it they, just looks they, ridiculous. They did it because that's what happens in the yeah, show. But again, but they this isn't the show. This about... isn't a set change. Exactly. They have the it's mag- a fucking movie. They have like the magicalism of doing a film. You have like, so many resources at hand. Mm-hmm. You could have done anything. You could have made his face look fucking awesome. You could have like because like it was two thousand four. Gollum was in existence. You could have used that fucking CGI to do something great. Prosthetics. If yeah. they had the prosthetics to do Phantom on stage here in Broadway, and on touring shows, in the thirties, looked, looked amazing. Then they had the capability to make him look terrifying in the film, Literally. but they didn't because they wouldn't appeal to a wider audience. Which is clearly which audience. And the thing is, as well, they've got a big enough audience. Phantom is still running, what, 31, 32 years now? Yeah. Like, there's a reason. All those people are going to go watch the film. You're going to have young theatre kids that you see on Instagram going to go watch the film. Yeah. Like, there's a big enough audience. It's not going to be the next Marvel film. No way. But they're two separate audiences. Yeah, it's such a good point. To me, it was very clear that they were trying to downplay the terror, the scariness of all of it all, the sexiness, but that's a different thing. Mm. To me, to appeal to a different audience. Was do you think this movie was just a money maker? Oh, easily. Hard, and like it needed to be a passion project, and then it could have been yeah. good, yeah. and it could have appealed to an yeah. even wider audience because you know there's going to be a bunch of people that wouldn't have been, I remember when Sweeney Todd came out and yeah. people were super pumped because they were like Tim Burton it looks kind of black and yeah. white excited they sat down and they started singing and people were like WTF mate yeah. because they didn't realise it was a musical everyone yeah. knows the Phantom of the Opera as a oh, musical yeah. easily um, and the thing is as well like going back to the passion project so the, the best example I can think of is the Great Shuttle mm. look how much passion went into that you can clearly tell and Hugh Jackman loved it exactly and look how successful it was it was so ridiculously successful like, and, and it's amazing. based there is a musical yeah. that was shit yeah and so that's what they didn't do they didn't take yeah. the shit musical and move, put it into a movie no, they, made it they took the concept yeah. and made it into a great yeah. film yeah, and, like, and there's a reason why there's like, been like petitions online for it to become an, a musical again. But they would have to change it in a way because obviously film can't go straight into theatre. Exactly, and like The Greatest Showman, I think 
by it being a film first, it, it definitely is, as you were saying, it helped itself by doing that because it used film magic to its yeah. advantage, yeah. whereas The Phantom was just trying to paste a medium onto a different platform and it, and it just didn't fit. It doesn't work. It just, I mean, they could have gotten away with it as well, I think, if they had picked a better Phantom and picked a better Christine. Yeah, like, I think... I know Christine's meant to be like 16. I mean, I think she's 18 in the theatre show. I don't think she's 16. Sure, yeah, she's not. She's not. She's old. not as young. No, but she's not as young as she is. You know what I mean? Yeah, she's not a child. No, she's not. And even if she is, Nancy's 12 in the book of Oliver. Yeah. It was a very good idea in the musical to not make her 12. Yeah. Because yeah. Like, no I mean, one wants to In see the show, that. it's kind of vague how old she is. Yeah. You can clearly tell that she's not old. But she's not like again a child. Yeah. I'm not gonna look at Christine and be like she's the same age as my younger sister yeah. that creeps me out yeah, I was watching it last night and going my sister is 16 years old Christine is 16 years old yeah. I'm watching Christine get touched up and I'm getting like my older sister angry feelings coming yeah. over I just want to protect this child from yeah. what is actually probably a predator this is the thing and I think there's there's a story within that that's valid and part of the whole phantom thing where it's not a romance it's not it's almost a cautionary tale of this poor girl being groomed and people not believing her it's a mystery thriller horror for all of those reasons but because it's sweeping an epic people want to inject and because Sierra Burgess and Ramakrimi are hot and kind of fancy each other like people want to inject this side of it and this is what they're trying to put a flavour of in the movie but it's not coming across because your actors can't do it like and what like pick one I don't know about you but it really angers me when people go they're on like team phantom I'm like no it's he's like a fucking paedophile he's a paedophile he's a creep he stalks this young woman makes her think that he's her father her dead father her dead father and then in literally one scene she goes from thinking he's her dead father to like getting very clearly touched up by him and happily accepting him like do you think he's still your dead father like you happy getting touched up by your dead father it's really interesting I would argue that the show puts out a similar narrative but again it sort of gets away with it more because it's sweeping and everything it's a musical and we're all like giving it the benefit of the doubt and obviously at the end he learns the error of his ways and goes and loses yeah and even though he loses in this movie, it doesn't feel like he has. No, it, it's like they go, he goes from being angry, making her choose who she's going to be with, who she's going to love, to then all of us like kissing her, and then he's just like, okay, bye. Like, I got what I wanted, bye. Yeah, whereas the original narrative is that her compassionate kiss shows him the error of his ways, yeah. he learns a valuable lesson that day, and he suddenly realises what he's done and what he's become, and he's like, oh my God, go, don't let them find you, I'll go. Yeah. And in the movie, um, he's and like, he goes go. away and dies. Yeah, in the movie, he's like, go, yeah. don't let them find you. And in the musical, he's like, screaming it, yeah. like, terrified. And again, that's also up to interpretation. Ramin's very emotive oh, yeah. in that moment, but other actors have done it where they've been... Uh, is frightened or emotional or sad yeah. or, but there's choices there and Joe yeah. and making up no, neither, no. none of them made cho- it's like they weren't given their own character breakdown no. they were just taught the songs the day before yeah. came to set sang them went home again yeah literally and I read somewhere that neither um, Emmy or Gerard Butler watched the show beforehand 
And I do think that's like, as an, a person who has done acting, I understand why they didn't, but I think it would have helped them a lot if they did. Yeah, because they would have seen, yeah, they would have seen choices that were made by multiple people. They would have seen how those choices affect the narrative the and how they affect the storyline. Exactly. Whereas like going in and just just saying your words, yeah, it doesn't. It, it doesn't work. make sense. It doesn't work at all. No. Um, oh man. It's just Mini Driver made choices. Mini Driver oh, came easily. with a character. Easily. Like, and that's why she stands out. Yeah. Personally, I don't like some of the choices. No. But they're amazing choices. They're strong. Yeah. And at least then it allows you to have an opinion. Oh, Whereas yeah. Jared and Emmy are just leaving you with like, just uh, there. I guess, yeah, okay. whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, that and... meme where the, the woman's going with her hand up. <laughs> yeah. Like... yeah like... <laughs> um, I hated, even as a kid I hated this, before I'd even seen the show, they've got this whole Titanic thing going on where it's like the upper class and the lower class, and they keep insisting that there's like a separation within the upper house that we should care about, even though we don't know any of the characters from the lower class. Fucking, we all saw Titanic, Joel Schumacher and Angela Edward, but no one gives a shit anymore, it's been like 10 years. Um, And they have this running gag where even though she is the fucking lead soprano at an opera house, the prima donna, one may say, all of these like servants and uh, maids are like shoving cotton in their ears to drown out Minnie Driver's voice because yeah. they're like, uh, opera, am I right? And yeah. you're like, firstly, we're all here to watch The Phantom of the Opera. You want us to like opera. You don't want us to side with these characters and hate opera. No. Secondly, Minnie Driver, even though she was dubbed, Minnie Driver can sing, she was dubbed by a soprano for this movie. Really? Yeah, because I don't think she could reach the like high soprano. Maybe she could, I don't know, but I know she was dubbed because she sings the credits song instead. Um, but like the woman dubbing Minnie Driver can sing, can yeah. sing soprano, can sing opera beautifully, very well. Yeah. We're at an opera house. Like, I hate the constant thing of people being like fuck the opera fuck the ballet yeah, they're like, posh and they're weird and they're annoying and they sound funny it's like it's impressive and it's technical and it's good it's so hard why are you putting this gag in who is it for yeah as well like the people watching the film are going to watch because they want to yeah. why add characters that are completely unrelated we don't know these people's names no. we don't know what they're, they're doing like, there's no point to them existing yeah like if they're, they're gonna if they're gonna help Carlotta, that's fine. But that's all we need to see. We don't yeah. need to see them shoving it cotton in their ears, being rude. It like, doesn't make any sense. And then doesn't. when she starts singing as well, one of the new managers makes a face. And I'm yeah. like, yo, lads, I tell you who can she, she can sing better than Emmy fucking Rossum. Also, yeah. she's the prima donna at the There's a reason opera house in Paris. Exactly, she can sing. She's not a bad singer. No. Also, they wouldn't let her be the prima donna if she was a bad singer. So why are we trying to push out this joke yeah. that no one likes her singing? Yeah. I we get that no one likes her as a person. Which, okay. That's a set that, Yeah, that's not oh. like... You can't it. put talent and compare that to like personality because if someone's got talent, they've got talent. Yeah. They might not be like, like for example, Kanye West, I think he's got talent. I don't like them. Yeah. Like, horrible person. Yeah. But, but undeniable talent. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, I don't like how they, they made or she made Carlotta. And it, like, there's a diva and then there's like being a bit bitchy. Yeah. And I think she was a little bit more bitchy she, in the film. She went a very over the top. Like, yeah. Carlotta's 
a really interesting character in that she can be played. She is a fucking diva. Like, of course she is. She's a diva. And she's a comic relief and she's wonderful. She's a very big character within the movie. Um, But she's also human and there's points where she's kind of frightened about what's happening. Especially in the letter scene where she's confused and she's like, well, if you didn't send it. Yeah. She's still a human person and it's more interesting to make her a human person than just a Regina George strutting about the opera house. Because that's what they've made her, or Minnie has made her, just a slight Regina George who demands things being sprayed in her mouth. I get it, and I I assume it's... um, it's an artistic It size. might have been Minnie Driver's choice. It might have been the studio or even the director yeah. trying to really push that contrast yeah. between the bland, 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 bland Emmy Rossman <laughs> and the high, 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 high Minnie yeah. Driver. But they're so two different To be like, and look, we're meant to love Christina yeah. but hate Minnie Driver. And I'm like, I know who I'm siding with. Yeah, like, they're two the very different opposites. But it doesn't work. They yeah. need to be either side of the middle, I think. Yeah, they need to be like, human. They need yeah. to be characters. Oh my god, and talking about this, there's another point where, you know, when Christine's scared, she's like, wow, well, I don't want to do this. Oh, Please mate. don't make me do this. Yep. She's meant to be terrified. She needs to be like begging him, like, like on her knees, holding his robes, yeah. begging him. And in the film, she's like, Please don't make me do this. I'm scared. Honestly. So that song in the musical is called <gasps> Notes Slash Twisted Every Way and it is my favourite song. The, there's a violin solo or um what is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Is, is it a violin? Yeah, it's, it's a strange. violin solo and it's known to be one of the hardest musical instrument solos in all of musical theatre. Oh, wow, I didn't it's know that. yeah, it's so complicated. And then in the film they have it and then they put more music over it. Yeah. And it's meant to be this haunting moment. It's beautiful. They do another note scene, which in this movie they put in the masquerade scene, which doesn't make sense. No. And then she has this wonderful moment where she like turns down the hero's journey, yeah. as it were, only to then come back and agree to be in the opera. But you're right, they stick it in the chapel, which is a boring set piece. Yeah. She's speaking, not singing, no. and there's no emotion there. And I'm no. just like, you fucked it. Like this in the show, it clearly makes her more human. Yeah. It shows, and it's so dramatic. It makes her around the, the, it's, it's swelling, and she's like, <laughs> and it's like it makes everyone else scared. Yeah. It makes when I'm sitting there listening it, to her, it, it pushes Raoul to make yeah. choices because he's like, it'll be war on you, and the music's yeah. like, dun, 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 it dun, makes dun. it finally makes because before Raoul's like, there is no phantom in the opera. Yeah, clearly sings it multiple times. He just he doesn't. Think that this is a before he's met him and had a sword fight. Yeah. That doesn't happen in the show. No. So this is his. No. You're right here. This is his crux of moment. Being like, okay, there's a. Phantom, this, let's there's clearly do this. something going on. Like his fiance is sobbing on the floor. Yeah. Crying her eyes out. Clearly, like terrified for a reason. He's like, no, I've had enough. We're gonna kill him. This has to end. And it's so dramatic it's, and so enjoyable. It, just, it makes and it amazing. And the film just. Shits on it. Uh, they do. They, they may as well have just cut it. They, there's no point in being yeah. with him because he's met him. He could have killed yeah. him already, and then he's like, he has this meant to be turning point of, oh, I'm gonna kill him. And it's like, no, you've already, that's already happened. Literally. What Why is this like, happening? There is no reason now. It's so dumb. It actually it's is. So dumb. It, just there's choices that were made that should have never had been made. Definitely. It's just awful. And I don't know. They just and some of the costume changes oh, or like the costume ideas. In the in the 
musicals, they're amazing. They're, and I get they tend to make things brighter because it's on stage, they're yeah. to be seen, whatever, whatever. But they're so boring. They've made, yeah. you're right, they made the most boring choice. Masquerade is a fancy oh fucking dress party. And it's all the outfits are stunning. And yes, there are some cardboard cutouts on the stage, <laughs> yeah, but even the money look better. Literally, oh. because, because it's a fancy dress party to celebrate yeah. the new year. In the movie, it's not a fancy dress party. It's, it's, everyone's just, it was like, come in your best black and white outfit. Yeah. So it's flat and boring it's, and grey. It's dull. And like, even um, if you watch clips of Masquerade from Western Live, yeah. you still see how amazing it is. Yeah, and it's more interesting to give everyone a different outfit and a different yeah. costume. Like um, because then she's meant to be scared throughout the whole Masquerade because she thinks she keeps seeing the Phantom because yeah. everyone's in fancy dress. Yeah. So then when she does finally see him, it's even more hyped. Whereas yeah. in this, it's like completely fine. And there's, there's some no notes that happen as the Phantom comes out on the stage. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how would you describe the music? Because it's so like it's like swelling it's, and like yeah, it's like it's heart stopping. I yeah. think because it's so bassy, it's so deep, and it's just like the same note over and over a couple of times. But it's the only note, only piece of music that's played. And the way he starts to sing it, it's like amazing. It's in so the show. Dramatic. He's like in the in the film, he just does like a magic trick. Yeah. And he's there. He's like poofs out of one trap door and poofs down another. Literally, it's done. Yeah, actually, um, it's. But yeah, the costumes are, uh, she, uh, one of my favourite costumes is, um, after notes twisted in every way, she's in this blue dress, which she then puts on a cloak yeah. and goes to sing with she or somehow. Here yeah. again, it's a beautiful costume. Stunning. What doesn't make sense is they're at a fucking opera house, and they're doing the Phantom's Don Juan, but they're all wearing these costumes mm-hmm. that are for film, not theatre. So like... What is this being filmed for? Are you performing this on a stage because it doesn't look like you are because your costumes are so small and yeah. filmic? Yeah. But you're performing it within the it's meant realm to be on the stage of the still. movie. Yeah, you're you're meant to be performing an opera, yeah. which is known for its lavish costumes and set yeah. pieces. It's almost yeah. pantomime. Yeah. Um, and like also in um, what's the, I can't remember the first name of the music. Um, Hannibal. Yeah. The outfits. Are amazing mm. in the show. What were they? They weren't even like. So they were trying to push this, like the fact that they were doing like a rehearsal. So everyone was in like corsets and half dressed. But it doesn't like, look right. Character skirts. It just looks boring. Technically, they're meant. To, that's the opening day, right? Mm. They're opening that evening. They <laughs> should be ready. They are going to be costume. Yeah. As like everyone knows that on the day. You just keep doing it in costume. Yeah. You do your first run that morning. If you, you don't, do the first run that evening. it's going to go... Yeah, you're fucked up. And so it just... they Clearly, they, they, they must have... I don't know, I'm just speculating, but it feels like they got excited because they were like, ooh, we have a film, so we can actually show people like going upstairs, which yeah. is something we never got to do on the theatre. So they were more excited about that than telling the story and getting it yeah. across in the but most they, interesting they way. They were more excited about showing the back of the back of house. Yeah. And, like, uh, Christine in her bed. Stuff that they couldn't do in the stage. But there's no need to have it because no. it doesn't do anything to the story. It we all know sucks. what like addressing that is like. Yeah. We all know. We all we can all gather what the back of the stage looks like. Yeah. We don't need to see it. And I see it all the time, covering everything. Constantly. It's oh. It's man. so like. It's just boring. Yeah. 
and there's no need and it just makes you want to fast forward a bit. Yeah, it does. It really does. It's just visually uninteresting and flat. It's quite a long film. It's what, two hours 40? Two hours 23 minutes. There we go. Two hours 23 minutes and half an hour of that, I would say, is what, like, shots of backstage, yeah. stairs, hallways. Yeah. It's like, no, Rose, there's no need. Rafters, boring, 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 boring set stuff. pieces. Like, no, there's just no need. Also, I noticed as well, they introduced Rao much early on. Yeah, they do. Because again, because they were like, oh, we're in a film, we can show him coming to the Paris Opera House in no. a carriage. Brilliant, we all wanted, that's what was missing. No. That's, that's the totally. one. There's, there's meant to be this like introduction of him later on where he's like halfway through the film he's like Christy he like stands up and yeah. the spotlight's on him and it's all very yeah. dramatic and, and he's like oh who are you like no. is this a love interest and again if they wanted to change that make more of it do a thing don't just no, don't just be like this is going to be her other love interest we can do a thing where we can shoot Patrick Wilson in a carriage hooray like, oh. also why have they made it American I found it so odd rewatching it for the first time in years earlier. I was like, God, because even in the musical they try and put on these like British accents because yeah. they just sound a bit more legit. Sorry, America. And but no, it sounds a bit more like French sounds posh, right? Yeah. And obviously, in like, yeah, in, in Britain and in France, um, Britain and America, they're not going to expect them to sound French, yeah. right? Come on, France, no one's going to understand. But American just sounds a bit more like. It sounds really bizarre. Yeah, it doesn't. To me, it doesn't make sense. If they're gonna do anything, it has to be an English accent. Yeah. Another thing is, Gerard Buck is Scottish. He can do an. He yeah. can do an English accent, right? His accent. I didn't even know what his accent was, oh, but it no. just. It. No offense, America, but it just sort of took away some of the seriousness. Yeah. Like it just. It's, there are musicals where an American accent works beautifully. Oh God, Most yes. musicals, and especially all the old ones. Yes. But this one, it just didn't. When even on the stage here, the Americans are putting on yeah. an English accent, even to their detriment with Sierra Bergesa's famous order, you'll find horses. Yeah. Um, but like, it, 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 ugh, American doesn't fit. No, it really doesn't. And it just annoyed me because it just. More casual and less like. That's it. There was no, it was less high stakes yeah. by them being like, oh, it's, we, were, we were childhood sweethearts, and you're like, I don't care. Like, no, I don't care. Versus, oh, where we were childhood we sweethearts. Yeah. Also because you've got um, Madame Giry and Minnie Driver, yeah. all of these fantastic act- actors yeah. putting on these French accents, yeah. all these like yeah. enormously like foreign European yeah. accents, and then it, it's like. Oh, you think I'm so monsieur, the Phantom Opera, the ghost of the Phantom is here. And then it comes to Amy Rosen going, uh, I'm scared of the Phantom. And you're like, oh, man. This is like a problem that I have with the show as well. Why has Meg not got a French accent? Oh, my God. Literally, she's been brought up in France by a woman who has a French accent. And Meg's Meg's like English, isn't she? Because she's played by, like... That woman. Yeah. <laughs> I forget what her name no. is. But she was someone of no that wasn't an actor. She was yeah. like a model, I think. Oh god. Why? But there's just so many things that you're like, why? Like don't get me wrong, a lot of shows have their problems. Yeah. Like Jesus Christ, so many shows. <laughs> but it's just this like I wish they would have like customer feedback. Yeah. And it's not like it hadn't been done before. It's not like they were like, treading new grounds. The movie musical was massive in the 50s and 60s. 
it came back in the early 2000s with yeah. the likes of Chicago, which was based on a stage show. Yeah. Moulin Rouge, which was its own thing. Cabaret. But Chicago worked so well. Cabaret yeah. worked so well. Yeah. Rocky Horror worked so well. Oh they, they all made choices that differed from their stage show. And so, and like, for example, Cabaret is meant to be English accents. But half of them haven't got English accents and half American. They've all yeah. got American accents. That's fine. That's a, a stylistic choice and they've yeah. decided to make. But in Fanta, that choice, half of them have English accents. It's like it wasn't made. Yeah. It's like, like no one cared enough. No. Like you can't have half of them good European accents mm. and then the rest just like. Why, why are all of these Americans in France then anyway? Yeah. It's so bizarre and it, it doesn't fit into the like you can't sit here and be like oh, it's a musical you meant to use your imagination fuck that man it's a story it's like tell it properly it's if I was watching the show I'd be like okay imagination yeah you're meant to because if you were watching film. a Broadway cast arguably they would all have the same accent and yeah. there would be a consistency there yeah I don't know it's just like in Les Mis especially when because I think they do British accents in America. I've heard American casts, but everyone has been American. Yeah. It, you can't, no, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. make sense. It's just, watch the film, but then mm. go watch the show afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. No, thank you for, for coming on. Me. It was really fun to be able to rewatch yeah, this. Yeah, it was. I was obsessed with it. Yep. And now I loathe it. It's yep. bizarre. Yep. Now I feel like I need to go watch the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to get it out of my head. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? Where can we find you on social media? Um, oh, I mean, Ooh. it's just me ranting into the void on Twitter. <laughs> Amazing. Um, my Twitter is at Eilish, A-Y-L-I-S, and then an extra S and X. Amazing. Um, same for Instagram. I just post random crap on there about trying to get into theatre, being a plus-size woman. Perfect. Yeah. Amazing. Do you have any projects upcoming? Sadly not. Trying to get into it. Yeah. Um, but no, that's it. Thank you for having me. Of course, you're welcome. Um, why This Film is on Instagram at Why This Film. We're on Twitter at Why This Film. We are on Facebook at Why This Film Podcast. And we can be emailed at whythisfilm at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to my guests. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Watched the film and we talked about it, but now it's time to say goodbye. We'll be back again with another movie that makes you want to ask why. Why? Why This Film Podcast has a Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get paid. Head to patreon.com forward slash why this film podcast and you can select a tier. For £3 a month, you can join Camelot and enjoy early access to episodes, including seasons one to three. You'll get to vote in polls and get a personal shout out on the pod. For £5 a month, you can join Ferngully with instant access to everything from Camelot. Ferngully members can also enjoy bonus content, live episode voting power, plus access to monthly movie night. Grab your popcorn and a drink of your choice as we pajama up and watch a movie together remotely. And for £10 a month, you can join the Enchanted Forest, where on top of everything from Camelot and Ferngully, you can be part of a live episode where we all discuss a movie chosen by you. And if you're not into 80s and 90s animated tears, you can skip all that and make a custom pledge of an amount that suits you. 
or you can head over to co-fi.com forward slash why this film podcast and buy me a coffee with a one-off payment. We will be adding hot chocolate to that coffee and probably cream and marshmallows and sprinkles, but you don't need to worry about that. Thank you to all who donate and thanks to my patron David for supporting this episode on Patreon. Why This Film Podcast is my happy place. I love chatting to guests and revisiting long lost movies and I hope you do too.